0: Let's pray, 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 let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for these kids. I love them so much, but I know you love them so much more. Please speak through me and help us to pay attention, but also have a good time, participate, talk amongst one another about your word. Amen. Okay. Reese. I pointed at Jack and said Reese. East, what does the gospel mean? Yes, ma'am. What is the good news, Parks? Crushed it. Emma. What was the question? I hadn't said it yet. <laughs> so, why did he die for your sins? Jesus. So that we could. Wait. Is this the question I Am I going to tell you that? So we could live here. Wait, no, so we can be forgiven of our sins. Presley. So
1: we can live here abundantly and there eternally. My,
0: My girl. Oh, I
1: didn't know that was your question.
0: Well done. Emma, that was your question. I'm not going to help you on the eighth week. It's the eight weeks in a row I've asked you. I'm not going to help you. Uh, Macy. Yes. What is grace? So
1: I'm,
0: I'm so proud as a person right now. <laughs> All right, David, coming back to you again. You, answer, you already answered half of this question. Yes. We're talking about... Hold on. Let me phrase it so that everyone can hear it. What are the two reasons Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians? One. Uh,
1: true, the uh, discovered their true identity.
0: Their new identity as Christians, as the church? Two. Was it
1: like the power of God?
0: The power of the gospel. So close, I'll give you half credit. Thank you. Now, who was the original audience?
1: The church of Ephesus. Good
0: job. And Elizabeth, where was Paul when he wrote this letter? Is your name Elizabeth? Very good. So he was. He was under incarceration, but specifically he was house arrest. Why was he under house arrest? Preaching the gospel. Yeah, well done. Well done. Okay, so what you need to remember with your beautiful smart brains is that Ephesus is a wonderful, like, majestical place, and it's plunging radically down uh, this dark hole away from the teachings of Christ. Okay, so Ephesus is like, I don't know. Ocean Springs at nighttime. Everyone's having a good time, hanging out, but they're all walking away from the Lord. And so, what we talked about last week—does anyone remember? Do you remember, Gav? Okay, that's okay. So we are united by one God in one. Starts with an F. Father. Faith. Oh, I was. One true God. One faith. And God gives us the grace as the church to equip the saints by building each other up in Christ in love. And this is how we grow together as Christians, but another word for grow is what starts with an M? Mature. My dog. As we mature. So today, huh? So today what we're going to learn Very close, Simon. We're going to learn that we're given a new identity in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Does that make sense? Old gone. New here. And now that we have the freedom to live in the light of our new identity, which is the reason that Paul wrote this letter, he's urging these people, remember what Christ has done for you. Please, just remember. That's what he's saying. Like When I get up here and I'm like, please, pay attention. Paul is like, ugh. Please pay attention to what I'm saying. Remember that you have a new identity as Christians. Okay, Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Someone tell me what page number that is. I bet it's
1: 568. All right.
0: I'm going to read it. You're going to follow along. 568 and 9. Uh, chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. I ordered you some new Bibles to to match this translation, which is a little bit easier to read. So they'll be here soon. So just hang on to the ESV. I'm changing you to the Christian standard. It's a little bit easier to read. So that's what I'll be reading from. So just pay attention. Remember, when I read God's Word, be respectful, not necessarily to me, but to God's Word. So what's the... What's the title of this? Uh, the New Life. What's it? Okay.
1: Unity. Thank you, Griffin. What is it, Maddie? The New
0: Life. Is that what it says? The New Life. The New Life? Okay. I, got, I have living the new life. Here we go. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord... You should no longer live as the Gentiles live in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. That section is basically saying, don't do this, look what's happened to them. So, he then transitions and says, but we transition word there, but this is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about Him and were taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in the righteousness and purity of the truth. So some verses he says, hey, do not do this because they've turned away from God. But if you listen to Christ and you learn from Him, you're going to put that away. And then he doubles down on that with another connecting word. He says, "...therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need." No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ.
1: Did that say like? Can you repeat one about a language?
0: No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. I I
1: missed.
0: That's okay. Okay, so verse seventeen says, "Therefore, I say, what does verse seventeen say?" Someone read it to me. Futility? Good. Elizabeth, go back and read chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Okay, so remember last week we said you need to walk in a way that's worthy of what God has called you to do and what He's done for you. So... Do you see how those verses compare to one another? Elizabeth just read in the beginning of the chapter, hey, walk in a way that is worthy of what God has called to you. And then he says in verse 17, actually, I testify you should no longer walk in the way of the Gentiles because they walk in futility and have been turned over to their thoughts, the futility of their thoughts. So if we are to be believers and we are to walk in a way that's worthy of God, then we have to turn away from what Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Now, again, we're, we have to put in our minds 2,000-plus years ago in Ephesus where there are Jews and there are Gentiles. Now, here, we're all Gentiles, essentially, right? Because none of us are, as far as I can tell, Jewish by birth or ethnicity. But in that day and age, remember, there was a lot of confusion. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about what? That Christ died for just the Jew? what? Everyone. He died for the Jew and Gentile alike. Well done. So we have to remember, we have to put off our old ways. So in according to verse 18, why have these Gentiles been alienated? Does your say alienated? Mine says darkened. Okay, so why have they been alienated due to their darkened understanding? In that verse, there is a because. What does it say? Yes, because of the ignorance and sin in them and the hardness of their heart, they have been alienated from what? The church. No, from God, from the life of God. So he's saying, hey, not only are they walking in another way, they are outside of God's love and life. So do you think if you live in unrepentant sin, no, we do all realize that we do sin, yes, yes, Maddox sins, I sin, Christine sins, Park sins. But there's a difference between those that have been saved by grace and those that are unrepentant in sin. So if you are unrepentant in sin, do you think you can please God? No, no. no by, you cannot please God by any undertaking. Right Now, the difference is that we talk about justification, that even though we do sin, when God looks upon those who is saved, He sees Jesus but we're going to continue to sin, you and I, right? Hopefully less and less, but unrepentant sin. These people that are hardened by their hearts, their darkened minds, they cannot please God no matter what they do. Now in verses 22 through 25, Paul takes on this interesting thing where he describes the old self and then he describes the new self. How does he describe the old self? Some alliteration is there. Deceitful what? Deceitful desires. What does that mean, Macy? What do you think that means? Like you, you like your your, desi- your desires are so so sinful that even your desires deceive you. Like you think it's good, but it's actually very bad for you. Um, and so, people that get trapped in sin—that's what they think. Well,
1: it, it doesn't necessarily mean just bad things, right?
0: Yes. You're exactly right. If you were in church Sunday, Dr. Mike talked about sins of omission, things that we ought to do that we don't do. And so we could deceive ourselves like, oh, I'm a Christian, but I don't really need to tell others about Jesus. Do you find that anywhere in the Bible? No, you don't. So that would be a sin of omission where you were deceiving yourself, a deceitful desire. And so that's the old self. Now, well, how is the new self described? Created after the likeness of who? God. God. What do you think that means, Macy? I mean, Emma? I'm sorry. Mm. <coughs> you were
1: made like him, sir.
0: What was that, Emma? I'm sorry. Mm. You can say whatever you're thinking. I'll help you. What do you think it means to be in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness? Try to be like Him. Yeah, to be like Him. Now, we can't be God, but we can be like Him. Um. So he makes it very clear that there's a new way of living and there's an old way of living. Now, 25 through 32, remember in the first, the first part, he says, hey, don't walk like this. Instead, do this. And then he gives this long list of things to do. So in 25 through 32, he says, put, a, put away falsehood. So he starts with a negative, then he offers a positive. What's the positive? He says, put away falsehood. Yes. So he says, "Old way, false. New way, be honest." He says, "Be angry and do not sin." What does that mean? Do you think it's possible to be angry and not sin?
1: Uh, like, don't yes. do it. Be,
0: like, yeah. Elaborate, David. I don't know, okay. You elaborate, Griffin. Huh? To control, yourself. to control yourself. Do you think you can be righteously angry? Do you think? Yeah, right, right. Very great example. Biblical example. Jesus walks into the temples. Hey, Jack, let's, let's not draw on people. So, Jesus walks into the temple. People are defa- defacing his temple by exchanging money, exchanging goods. Jesus flips the tables, right? He's righteously angry, but he doesn't sin. Um, and so, there are times in our life. Now, it's much, much harder for us. I'll come to you in just a second. But if, if the Bible says it, it is possible. Yes, David?
1: How does that work? being righteously angry?
0: You know, I don't know that I have... I wish there was a parent in here <laughs> to help me, but um, I mean, I'm given to anger. Um, I think all of us are probably good at being angry if we were honest with each other. But, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen someone say something to April and me defend her. Um, now this happened, this wasn't like we were out in public, this just happened at a family gathering, and I was just like, I don't, I don't like what you just said. You know, I don't appreciate that, I think it's wrong, I don't think you should say that. I was angry, but I didn't sin at that person by saying, like, you, you idiot, like, I, I'm going to beat you up, like, I can't believe you said that. I just said, like, I don't appreciate what you said, it was wrong. Um, and um, Okay, I'm sorry. You know, but it would be very different if like if you said something to me and instead of that way, like we escalated it. Right. We could easily take it into sinful areas by calling each other names, you know, being rude to one another. I'm not saying that's easy. I only have one example in my 34 years where I think I've done that correctly. But that's it. I mean, and of course, I think Bubba and Griffin were, were very right to point to what Jesus did as our perfect example. Now, it then turns around and says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. What do you think that means?
1: Uh, Do not don't let it break your whole mood. No, maybe. Uh, maybe. maybe. Don't let don't hide it. Maybe. Because the more you store up, the more oh you know, like for maybe instance like know. let's just say people are getting you like people say people are making fun of you and you're getting more and more mad mm-hmm. and you build that all up. Eventually, someone may like be nice to you, or you like lash out at other people besides the people that and then affect other people.
0: Maybe. Caroline? I was just gonna say uh sin and your anger. Sin? Um, yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, like the sun is like light, so like you're righteously angry, but if the sun goes down on it then it's turned to darkness and so like sin. Like don't let it get out of hand basically. Maybe don't hold the anger for long, like worry about
0: it. Yes. Yes. So all of you were not incorrect, but I don't know if you've ever heard this. And again, it's such a key thing when you're married. So it's kind of unfair that I'm married and I like, don't go to bed angry. You ever heard that? Like, don't go to ma- like, don't go to bed angry at your siblings. Don't go to bed angry at your parents. Deal with it that day. Don't carry it to the next day. And so now is that easy? Is that easy for us? No, that's especially if someone really offends us, it can kind of stay there for a while. And even me, too. <laughs> All right, now, I, uh, now if you, take, if you take those two things about anger, where it says, be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down in anger, what's the next thing that he says? Verse, the second half of verse 26. No for the devil. All right, so what does the Bible tell us about the devil and sin? Tempting. It is tempting that he's like a what? A roaring... Lion, lion crouching, waiting to devour us. Now that's not very happy language, right? The de- the devil is like a crouching lion, waiting to devour you. Okay, that's that's very clear. And so what this Paul is saying, hey, don't give the opportunity, don't give the devil any opportunities. So how might that look in our life, Maddox? Like if we don't, we don't want to give the devil any opportunity in our lives. What does that look like?
1: Pray. Oh wait, 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 what
0: do you mean? I was going to let Maddox try. Okay. What do you think? Like, if you are, and I'm just saying this, this may not be true, okay? And if it is, I'm not picking on him. But say Maddox curses a lot. I'm not saying you do. Look, I've had trouble with that in my life, so I'm not, I'm not getting on to you. I'm not getting on to you. But if that's true for Maddox, how would I work at not giving the devil opportunities for you? you? How would you not give the devil any room in your life for that? Tough question. Um, does that make sense? Not making sense?
1: I so, understand.
0: So let's just say any, any of you struggle with foul language, which is mentioned in here, and you don't want to give the devil an opportunity for that to continue. What would you do? What would you think about doing? Pray about it. Maybe surround yourself with things that don't like if your music like your music and, and, and sometimes we can't control what our friends say. Sometimes we can't. But maybe the music, the television, what we consume maybe change the way that they speak. We do have control over that, yes? Yes, we do.
1: Well I know it's not always the goodest best way, but like I also like to use like not like close words, but like substitute words.
0: Yeah I'm not a fan of that, but I, I love you. So uh, <laughs> i'm not I do it too it's not it's not I, anyways okay, moving on um now, what about letting the thief no longer steal and then we'll move on i'm taking a lot more time here than I'm planned so in this passage, Paul is given a lot of these things that you shouldn't do anymore, but is he saying like if you do these things you're doomed No. no he's saying if you do these things, stop doing these particular things, then do these things. So he's saying, if you have Christ, you can do away with what you used to do, and do other things. And that's none clearer than in verse 28, which says, let the thief no longer steal. Okay, that seems honest, right? We have that in the Ten Commandments. Well done, Macy. Very good. Like, he he then goes from theft, thievery, dishonest to and he says he is to do honest work with his own hands, all right? So to do your own work, work for yourself, do your own homework and then share graciously with others what you have cultivated through your own hard work. And so he's saying like it's very clear different person. All right. So let's jump ahead to verse 30. What did the Holy Spirit seal The people for in I I jumbled that bad. For what did the Holy Spirit seal the believer? It says something. Verse thirty. What is that? Yeah. Well done. Very good. So we, those of us that have been saved, we we often hear those words. Once saved. Always saved. And so what that's talking about is the Holy Spirit's power to seal your redemption until Christ returns or we pass from this earth, whichever happens first. And that is good. Now, lastly, before we talk about, so what does this matter and how do we deal with it? The hardest part, I think, comes at the end. Someone read verse 32. Jack. Oh, go ahead. Bubba's already there. No worries, Jack. Yeah, easiest part, huh? Be kind and compassionate and forgive one another. So, easy, right? Easy? Not easy. Very difficult, if we're honest. It's difficult for us to forgive one another. Why is that? Because I think we often want to get even. We want to make people have hurt feelings too. But that is very difficult. And that's why this whole passage centers upon the idea that you used to do this when you were not a Christian, But now that you have this new identity, you can live another way because God is powerful through you. Now, let's talk about clothes, okay? Clothes. Now, say I went to college, played sports in college, had a lot of stinky clothes, all right? Now, I do all the laundry at my house because I'm better at laundry than April, and you can tell her I said that. She's ben. she's garbage at washing clothes, and I love her, but she's not good at it because they always smell after she washes them. Yep. But in college, I didn't have as many clothes. I had a lot of workout clothes. I looked a lot like Maddox every day, fresh. Like looking no, just just fresh. But <laughs> no, not that. Someone's someone's jealous. jealous. But say, college. say one day, <laughs> say one day. <laughs> All right. Tone it down there, tough guy. So say one day I have a date with April, the young Miss April when she's in college. We're in college together. Now, I, you know, what do they say at restaurants? No shoes, no, no, no service. All right. So say I forget to wash my clothes and all I have are these jeans and like a dirty workout shirt. I can't go to, on a date with April without a shirt. Okay. No one wants that. All right. April doesn't want that? (laughs) (laughs) Girl power! Not the moral of the story. So say I just put on the old shirt because it's all I have, and I I go anyways, right? So what's the idea there? I, I stink. It's not good. It's an old shirt. So in the same way, that's how we often treat the Christian life. Even though we've been saved, we've been redeemed, we tend to keep a lot of the old things on the old stinky things on, things that we struggle with. Like, I'm about to be 34 in three weeks. Terrifying. But I still have a lot of the same problems that I had when I was 21, when I got saved. Okay, that's, was that 13 years? That's a long time to have the same problems. But so a lot of the times I keep the same old stinky shirt on when Paul has explicitly told me, Hey, actually, you need to take that away and and never put it on again. Like, it's so disgusting. Just throw it away. Do yourself a favor. Throw it away and put something new on Does that make sense? I felt like that was a good illustration. It was a good good illustration. illustration. I know it was. Now, what ways do you think this passage challenges how we are to relate to one another? You guys go to a big school. uh, Even those that that go to St. Martin, that's a big school. You all here go to big Schools. Well done, Parks. Uh, we all, uh, that means we're around a lot of people at all times, whether we're in middle school or high school. So how does this passage challenge me to relate to people? The verse, last verse said, hey, I need to love others like Christ loved. I need to forgive them. Um, it told me not to... Wait, I can't answer the whole thing for you. Help me out. No, use the verses. Use the verses. How should I relate to others? Speak truthfully. Yeah, be honest. Speak truthfully, even if it is awkward. Be honest. Right? Be honest. So, so what else? That's kind of hard. Like, how do you to do that? What's the same? I
1: was just like, someone goes, Oh, look at my dress. Is this a pretty dress? Like, what like how you, and you like think it's ugly. How are you supposed <laughs> to tell the truth there,
0: even though you don't want to be like me? Just don't answer. Person? Just be like. <laughs> uh, you don't go bag. What? <laughs> uh, you're both being weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're both. <laughs> I don't know. I. No, I'm not. All right. Help me out here. <laughs> describe you to me. Mm-hmm. Describe Christ's forgiveness in, in small statements. It can be one word, two words, three words.
1: The, best. the cross.
0: Hold on, hold on. The best. Okay. The cross.
1: Undeserved.
0: Undeserved. Loving.
1: Loving. What? The lamb. The lamb.
0: The lamb. Forgiven. That's a good one. Redemption.
1: Redemption.
0: Yeah. Hard to imagine. Redemption? Fairly. What? Fairly. Okay, yes, yes. Huh? Same for, Same for all. Fair. Truly fair. What about final? Complete? We said undeserved. We said, what about given to us while we were still His enemies. Like, New Testament tells Christ died for us even though we were still sinners. Uh, Not based on what? Our works, right? We can't work to earn our salvation. It's freely given to us. Um, Gracious. Now, how could this be true in your own lives, David? What would it mean for you to completely forgive your sibling. Hypothetically.
1: Won't you like pray? Wait, uh, wait, hold on. Like uh. forgive them on like everything? Yeah. That's practically impossible because we're all two. I think like forgiving means that like when you get mad Sorry. about somebody else you don't... Like think about the old things. Mm. Cause like if I haven't forgiven somebody about it, and the next time they make me mad, I'm gonna think of the last time that I still haven't forgiven them before, you
0: know. Yeah, good job, Macy. You know what 1 Corinthians thirteen says about that? Um, it's okay if you don't. It no. Says love keeps no record of wrongs. Grudges. What?
1: No, well, don't hold a grudge.
0: Yeah, it basically says that as a paraphrase. So yeah. you're, so you're right. For order us to continually be forgiven, we can't keep a record of wrongs, which is ultimately a highlight of Christ, because does he keep a record of your wrongs? No, the the Bible tells us he he removes your sins as far as the east is from the west. Now, how far is the east from the west, Simon?
1: Like a miles.
0: A lot of miles. Undescribably, right? When does the east become the west? Don't know. That's how far God has removed your sin from you. East. From the West. I don't know when the East becomes the West West becomes East, Swiss. I don't know. I don't know. Far. Very far. All right, so let's talk about why this matters for our life. Now, what are some places in your life, Gavin, that you're most tempted to think and act like the world? Just think about this. Now, this can be personal, so you don't have to answer it out loud. But do you know why I lecture you on the music that you listen to? Because it's of the world. Now, does that mean I only listen to Christian music my whole life? No, it does not mean that. But it does mean that I try to actively screen what I do listen like because whatever I put into me, whether it's media or music or social media or TV, it's going to influence me as a person. We are made that way. You can't can't consume something. You can't eat a thousand Big Macs and then all of a sudden be surprised you're really unhealthy. right? You can't just be like, I'm going to sue McDonald's because, golly, they made me very unhealthy. Like, no, you ate that. And so if you listen to, say, XYZ artists and it's really violent and filthy, you shouldn't be surprised, like, after a year that you begin to cultivate some of those thoughts and feelings. Right? That makes sense. It's just logical. So that's one way and why I encourage you when you're like, this is what I'm listening to. I'm like, oh, please listen to something else. Okay, or please consume something else. But that's true of me too. Me and Miss April have that conversation all the time about what we watch on TV. Like, should we? I mean, we're thirty, we're thirties, and you know, we're old people. Like, shouldn't we be able to watch what we want? No, it's not about the freedom. It's about the responsibility to cultivate Christ-like attitudes and things in my life. So that's why I always pick on you about that because I want you to consciously put on the new self and not continue to walk around in that disgusting old t-shirt. Now, what might it look like, Kate, to seek opportunities to encourage one another with your words? Now, at the beginning, let me help you with this. This is why I think it's so important to read your Bible. At the beginning, I said, I want to teach the Bible because my words are more important than the Bible. Is that what I said? No, I said the opposite I said, the words of the Bible will far outweigh whatever I could ever come up to say. So if you want to seek to encourage your friends with words, what's one way you could do that? You could share the Bible with them, right? Good. You could share little verses, or you could share paraphrases of stories. You could summarize stories from Jesus' life. You could share them with your friends. When they're going through a hard time, they're like, oh my gosh, my parents are really struggling. It makes me really nervous as a child. Well, here, let me go to the Bible. Where there's a story that's similar to this about how God helped them, and so we can always encourage one another with the words of Scripture, because you know what? We're pretty un. Uh, let me just use the example when, like when April and I lost the baby. A lot of people said things that were not helpful, right? They just didn't. They they didn't mean to. Now a lot of you, everyone in this room was great. You just you hypothetically put your arm around us and just said, I love you. And that's all we needed. But a lot of people said silly things like, oh, better luck next time. Like, you know, that's not helpful, is it? No, they meant well. They meant well. And sometimes you have to listen to people's hearts instead of what actually comes out of their mouth to understand that sometimes people just don't know what to say. So if you never know what to say when someone's hurting, instead of trying to come up with like Christine's like sitting there fumbling with words, like, what should I say? What should I say? Just turn to the word. And let God say it for you because He will not mess up, unlike us. Now that is, I've often told bad advice, right? I give bad advice sometimes. Very Well, thank you, David. Now, last question: Why is it sometimes hard to forgive, Simon? Take you can start that with us, because
1: they hurt, your
0: because they hurt you first. OK? What else? Very good answer. Honest.
1: Mm. So it's hard to have respect for somebody that doesn't respect you. If it's something that you were right about, but like that caused the
0: argument... They still wronged you. Yeah. That's, very, that's, that's always a potential. You could, in fact, be in the right, but someone may still choose to sin against you. But we're still called to forgive those people. So all these reasons make it exceptionally difficult. Like, if me and Jake get in a fight and Jake is right, and I'm just like, I want to make Jake feel bad... I could still choose to do that and sin against Him. And that would be wrong. But Christ still calls Him to forgive me, which would be hard for Him to do. Which would be hard for Him to do. But if we look at what Christ did on the cross, hopefully that motivates us to seek a different type of forgiveness. Because if you think about all the bad things that you've done, which I've done worse, so just don't be like me. But... All the things in this room that we've all collectively done wrong together, Christ still died for us. He still chose to. And that's amazing. That is just like one of those moments where you go, right, Jack? You can't believe it, that Jesus would die for you even after you repeatedly did something wrong. He's like, I still love Jack. I still love Simon. I still love Jake. I still love Andrew. So much that I would give my life for them so that they might love me in return and be with me Forever. And that is, is incredible. And so once we put off the old self and embrace truly what Christ has done for us, then does it always get easy to forgive people? No, it's still a struggle, but it's, we must daily take one little step towards remembering to be more and more like Christ. So, main takeaway, we have been, and this will be it, we've been given a new identity in Christ. The old one is gone. For those of you that have called upon His name in salvation, the new one has come. And we've now, in this new person, being created in the likeness of God, we are to live our lives in that new identity, which is why Paul wrote this book. And that's amazing. That should encourage you, if you know Christ. That should really encourage you. And if you don't, we can always talk about that. If you're like, I'm not sure if I know Jesus, if I've been forgiven of my sins... Come talk to me. I would love to talk to you. I would love to share the gospel with you. This is a place for where I want all of you to be Christians and grow in your faith and grow up and be healthy adults and live good lives and get married and have kids and, and build beautiful communities. I want all of that. And then one day, like I said, when I'm a little old man and I die, I want you to come be like, he was a good man too. All right. You just promise me you'll try to come. All right. You don't have to, but just try. But uh, <laughs> But God has so much in store for you I promise that, that even if your life is really good right now, or it's really bad, or it's somewhere in between, Christ can overcome that. All you need to do is turn to Him.